thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Hi church, it's so good to be able to bring God's word to you this morning, and we are day 10 of our lockdown, and if you think about it, we're almost halfway, and um, I'm hoping that uh, you're spending a lot of time in the presence of God, spending a lot of time with your family, and uh, making the most of the time that you have together. We as a church have been praying so much for you, and uh, we're just trusting God to cover you with His love, His protection, and that uh, you'd feel His tangible presence with you every single day. This morning, uh, we're going to go and continue with our series on the I Am the Good Shepherd. But before we go there, let's pray. Father, we commit your word to you. I ask, Lord, that you would bless every person that hears it. I pray that, pray that you challenge us, Lord. I pray, God, that you'll speak to us. I pray that you'll transform us into the people you're calling us to be, Lord. I pray that you'll encourage us through your word, Lord. And I, I ask you, Lord, that you'll be glorified and that you'll be exalted and that your word would be plain and clear to our ears and our hearts and our minds this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said earlier, that we are continuing with our series, the I Am the Good Shepherd series. And Rulla um, started with it three weeks ago. And he started by looking at the motive of the Good Shepherd, which is love. And last week he touched on the fact that the, the method that, that the Good Shepherd uses to express this love is people. It's me and you. And uh, he's the, the Good Shepherd's love is felt by others through people. And I hope that encouraged you to step out and, and make a difference in other people's lives. But this... Today I'm looking at um, the third installment or third topic in the series, and that is that the Good Shepherd has a melody over your life. You may think to yourself, what, what does that mean? Um, I'm, I'm going to be looking at Zephaniah 3.17, and at the end of that verse, it simply says that God rejoices with joyful songs over you. And I want us to unpack that verse as we continue through the sermon today. And because the Good Shepherd has a song over you. I, it, it made me think of what it must have been like in those fields. As a shepherd in, at night may have sat amongst his sheep and as his sheep were sleeping, whether in fact he would have just sang a song over them. And maybe a lamb would have come close to him and he would have put his hand on it and just sang a song over it. And I, I wondered if that is the picture that God is trying to, to tell us as his good shepherd, that he is close to us, that he's personal with us and that he sings a song which is intimate over us. I want you to turn again to John chapter 10, which has been our core portion of Scripture. And we're going to just read verses 1 to 5, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to pick it up again in verse 14 to 16. So if you can turn with me this morning or today um, to John chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll, we'll start reading there together. While you get that, I wanted to ask you a question. How do you think God feels about you? If, God had to, if, if I had to ask you this morning how you feel about God, I think you'd find that easy and simple. And you'd be able to say to me, um, God's my father. God's my best friend. God's my, the, the lover of my soul. He's my Lord. He's my savior. He's closer than a brother. Which, the, the descriptive um, you'd be able to, to give me. But I, my question to you is, how does God feel about you? If God had to sing a song over your life, what do you think he would be singing? Why don't you take a minute there in your home, and if you're on your own, just look at yourself in the mirror and speak to yourself there, but if you've got your family around, ask yourselves the question, what, what song do you think God would be singing over your life this morning as you turn to John chapter 10, verses 1?
All right, let's read together. John chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he had gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Let's skip down to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. As I was meditating on this portion of Scripture, the thing that struck out and stood out to me was the fact that this relationship between the good shepherd or the shepherd and his sheep is a very personal and a very intimate and a very real relationship. Let me read to you some of the, 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 the portions in the Scripture that made me come to that conclusion. Listen to the way Jesus says the good shepherd is. He says that in verse 3, the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. You see, that's personal and that's intimate. It's real. He says in that verse, he calls his own sheep by name. You see, it's, that's personal. It's intimate. It's real. It's relationship. Verse 4, he says that they follow him and they know his voice. Again, it's personal and it's intimate. It's real. Verse 14, I know my own sheep and they know me. And it's again this principle that, that this is a personal, an intimate, and a real relationship. They listen to my voice. And as I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the song that God would be singing over our lives in Zephaniah 3.17, my thoughts around that this morning, today, is this. That I think God's song over your life is that He wants a personal, intimate, real relationship with you. And He wants you to, to have a personal, real relationship with Him. You see, when we look at Zephaniah 3.17, and as we unpack this, this whole verse starts with the presence of God. And, yet, and, and in the presence of God, everything starts and you can only be in the presence of God if you have a personal, real, and authentic relationship with God. And so let's turn to Zephaniah 3.17 and let's start to look at this portion of Scripture. But I want to encourage you this morning to continue to think about whether you have a personal, real, authentic, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, with the good shepherd, with the King of Kings. Zephaniah 3.17 reads the following. If you haven't been able to find it, just go to the index. It's in the Old Testament, right off the book of Habakkuk. It's only three chapters long, so if you, if you breeze through it too quickly, you're going to miss it. So Zephaniah 3.17 says the following. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is, mighty, he is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with singing. In Zephaniah 3.17, there are five aspects, five attributes that the, that the prophet writes about who God is and what God is saying to his people. And we're briefly going to look at all five of those. And we're going to be looking at, at, at what each of these mean for us personally and what it means in terms of the this, this song that God is singing over your life. And I, I, I believe that the song is to have a personal, intimate relationship with him. 
So the first thing that, that Zephaniah 3.17 picks up on is it says that for the Lord your God is living among you. I think the first thing that God wants us to understand is, as followers of him and as people that love him, and maybe if, if you, you don't have a relationship with God, that you understand that this is what God wants. He wants you to know and always know that he's always with you. He's not near you. He's in you. He's always with you. It's God's heart and God's desire to live life 24-7 in every moment with you. You may say to me, Nick, but I, how can you conclude that? I can conclude that because I believe that that's always been God's heart. When you start to look at the book of Genesis, when God created man, he created Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, the story tells of how God used to come down every day and, and walk with Adam and Eve. But because of that day where Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. And as God was walking in the cool breeze in the garden, he asked them, where are you? And from that, we can understand that the relationship that they had is that God had an intimate, personal, and real relationship with them where he walked with them, he spoke with them, he fellowshiped with them, he communed with them. He was with them. But sin broke that. And so this, that relationship had broken. And we see in the Old Testament, although that relationship was broken, God's presence was still with his people. As the, as the Israelites moved out of Egypt into Israel, uh, uh, to the promised land, we see that there was a pillar of cloud, a, a pillar of fire and a, a cloud of smoke that, that led them and protected them. We see that, that Moses had this tent of meeting that he erected outside the camp as they traveled. And it was at the tent of meeting where he would go and meet God. And every time he would go to the tent of meeting, the presence of God would fill that place in the, in the form of a cloud. Think of that this morning uh, or, or today. Think of that. Think of, the, of what it must have been like to be an Israelite, to see this visible presence of God in the form of a pillar of fire or a cloud of smoke or a tent of meeting when every time Moses went there, this cloud would, would, would come upon this tent. Think about the reality of the presence of God in your life. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us that Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And although Jesus was a, a man and, and his presence was limited to, to, to a person, the whole plan of God was that after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where sin has been defeated because of the blood of the Lamb, where we, you and I can come boldly into the presence of God because now we are righteous before God and, 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 and our sin has been dealt with because of Christ. We are again in a position to be permanently in the presence of God. And, and, and the way that that works is that when you become a believer, you're baptized into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit fills you and the presence of God fills you and you're permanently residing in the presence of God because His presence in you. And so I was hoping to show you that, that God's desire, God's plan, God's purpose has always been to be close to you, to be near you and to live life with you. I think this is important and I think God wants us to know this because I think He wants to to make it very clear to his creation that his heart and his desire is to be close and personal and intimate and real in a relationship with you and with me. You see, he wants to be part of every decision we make, every, our hopes, our dreams, our struggles, our hurts, our pains, when we rejoice, when we're glad, when we succeed. God wants to be a part of every, every aspect and every moment of our lives, every decision we make. One way of putting it is I think that, you know what, God likes your company. God likes our company. God wants to be alongside us and be with us. 
You know, he's not, he's not the, the person that when you knock on the door and go and visit, that he acts that he's not home. Or he's not, not going to be the, the person that when you send him a WhatsApp, he's just going to blue tick you and not respond. Or never listen to your messages. In fact, it's the other way around. God is always with us. God is always wanting to be real with us. God is always wanting to be intimate with us. God is always wanting to be personal with us. God is always wanting to be a part of our lives. I think the reason that we struggle so much with having God full-time part of our lives is because of sin and compromise. I think the, the reality of what Adam and Eve dealt with in the garden, that after sin, that they hid from God, is our reality many times in, in our lives today, is because we're living lukewarm, sometimes compromising, sometimes sinful lives, and we don't feel like we can live permanently in the presence of God. And, th and there's an easy way to deal with it, and it's just to repent. And just to let, let the, just, just come back to God and say, God, forgive me of all my unrighteousness and let the righteousness of Christ cover you. And, let, and then just, just understand that once you've done that, once you've repented, that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ and that you can boldly enter into his presence and that you can have fellowship with him and there should be nothing that separates you from him. I think another reason is that sometimes we just feel unworthy. I think of the story of Moses and how Moses went out into this tent. And I, I, I imagine what the Israelites must have thought. There, there's, there's the man of God, the holy man of God, and he's the only one that can go and talk to God. And I think sometimes today, that's how we feel. I think sometimes we feel that we're unworthy. There's, there's far more spiritual people, and they live in the presence of God. But I'm not like that. I want to tell you that's a lie. We are all equal before God, and God's heart is that we come boldly into his presence. Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ, and if you're in Christ this morning or today, and our faith in him, we can come boldly, every single one of us, and confidently into his presence. So the reason I believe that the song of God over your life is that he wants to have a personal, intimate, real relationship with you, is because he wants you to understand that his presence is always with you. He is always with you. And he wants you to be always with him. I, you may ask me, Nick, how, how do I do this? I, I don't have the answer of how, how you could do it, but I, I can tell you how, how I've practiced that in my life. Is that when I became a believer, I realized that this is a relationship between God, me and God. And, and uh, I remember I used to struggle with it because I didn't understand. I mean, I couldn't see God. I, I, didn't, I, I could read his word. But, but how, do I, how do I talk to God? How do I hear God? How do I know what he's saying? And, and so I would go into my room at night and, and I would actually say to God, God, if you, you're real. You know, you're real. And so I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to give you time to speak to me. And I'm hoping that something's going to happen. And I did that. I, I started to pray at night and I would speak to God about my day and then I would be quiet. And I'd wait for God to speak to me about what he thought about my day. Or I'd be praying about the next day and uh, praying that God would intervene in certain things and, and help me with certain decisions. And I'd, then I'd pause and I'd wait quietly, quiet in my heart and say, God, would you speak to me? Would you start to talk to me about my day. I want to be in your presence here. I want to hear you. I want to commune with you. And it was a bit odd in, initially, but after a time of pressing through, I remember that it became such a wonderful personal time, intimate time with God, because I would be praying about certain things, and as I would get quiet, God would remind me of a song, or he'd remind me of a portion of scripture, or he'd impress something on my heart, and I'd start to realize that the living God is relating to me, and he's speaking to me. And I've been able, by God's grace, to, to just build over that over, over time. 
And now, because I've grown in it, man, I could be in a busy shopping center and I could just pause and quieten down and say, God, what are you saying? And trust that God's going to speak to me as I, as I live permanently in, in his presence. I think this is an important aspect because once you grasp the fact that God is permanently with you, you'll, you'll realize that you'll never in your entire life have to ever deal with anything alone ever again. That God is always there. He's always there to support you, to guide you, to assist you, to love you, to care and provide for you. Because He's imminent. The Lord is with you. The second aspect that Zephaniah picks up is he, he describes, God describes himself as mighty to save. There's a link between the presence of God and the power of God. If you find yourself in the presence of God, you automatically have the power of God with you. I want to show you that through a few portions of Scripture. God tells people that his presence is with them and that they can do certain things because his presence is with them and so they have the power of God with them. The first one is Moses. As God calls Moses, he calls him to go and lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land. And God calls him and God says to him, God answered, I will be with you. Listen to what he says to Moses. Moses, my presence will be with you. I will be with you. And this is the sign that, that you are the one that has been sent. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this very mountain. And God's saying to him, Moses, you could do this. You have power. You have my power. You have been called by me. You could do it because my presence is with you. The second one is Joshua. He calls Joshua to lead the people now into the promised land. In Joshua 1.9, he says, I have not commended you. Have I not commanded you, Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Be full of power. Go, Joshua. Go and do it. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so you can, can you see that there's this link between the presence of God and the power of God. When God says, I am with you, he's saying to you, you can do all things through Christ strengthens you because I am with you. You have the power of God residing in you and working through you. In Isaiah 41.10, God is speaking to his people. He says to them, so do not fear. Why should you not fear? Because I'm with you. My presence is with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. You see, when, when the presence of God is there, there's the power of God to strengthen and to help. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, with, with the, the Great Commission, you may know this very well, but Jesus tells his disciples that he must go, they, they've got all authority in heaven and earth, and earth and they must go make disciples of all the nations and they must baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They must teach people to obey the commandments and they must do all these things. And the reason why they can do all these things comes at the end. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And again, there's this link between the power of God to go and do the things God's calling us to do and the presence of God. What does that mean for you? Well, this is what it means for you. If you live in the presence of God, you will have the power of God to save you. What's he gonna save you? He will save you out of your sin. He will save you out of your struggles. He will save you out of your battles that you're going through, out of the challenges and the hurts that you face. He will save you from, uh, out of the, the rejection and the loneliness and the fears that you have. Paul writes this in, in Romans 8.31. He says, what shall we say about such a wonderful thing as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? What, what Paul is expressing is that if the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, 
who's above all things and that where all things are subject to him. If he is for you, who and what could ever be against you? You see, not only does God want you to have a personal and intimate and real relationship with him 24-7, but he wants you to understand that when you find yourself in this relationship, he is for you and all the power of heaven is with you. And you can go out and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you because God is with you. I think of it in, think of it in your own life. Think of the struggles that you are going through, the battles, maybe the sin, maybe the relationship challenges, maybe all the fear of this pandemic and, 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 and what, what the future may hold for you. But I want to remind you today that there's a song that God sings over you. That in these times, and in, in, in times where you are, are struggling through things, that there's a good shepherd where you can come and you can spend time with him and be intimate with him and be personal with him. And as you draw close to him, as you draw into his presence, in his presence there's the power of the living God to give you the strength to endure, to have the patience, to have the wisdom, to make the decisions that you need to make so that his grace and his mercy flows and pours over your lives. I think the devil is always trying to tell you and tell me that we're not good enough, that, that we're guilty, that God's angry with you, that God's disappointed with you, that God doesn't really want you in his presence. But I think the reason that the devil works so hard at trying to keep us out of God's presence because he understands that if, when we are in, of, in God's presence, we have the power of God with us. And see, when you're outside, when you're not living permanently in the presence of God, you don't permanently have the power of God with you. And so I want to encourage you to draw close to God and to listen to the song and to draw into the presence of God every moment and every day. And whatever it is that is keeping you away from the presence of God, deal with it and move into the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, He is mighty to save. The third aspect that we see is that He will take delight in you with gladness. I want you to take a moment and I want you to look at the person next to you or look at yourself in the mirror and I want you to say to them, God delights in you with gladness. Maybe say it another time. God delights in you with gladness. If you're a child of God, God delights in you with gladness. I know that you may find this a little difficult but other versions tells us that God rejoices in us with gladness. You see, this whole word of, of, of gladness, it means extreme gladness. It means extreme joy. It means the kind of gladness that you see at festivities. And I want to say to you today that, that God is expressing to you and to me in the song that he sings over our lives, that he, as a child of God, that he is rejoicing in gladness over who you are, that you're his and that you belong to him. You might think to yourself, but, but how does this work? I want to say to you, it's God rejoices over you not because of your performance. He rejoices over you because you're his child. I, will, I can't, I, the only way I can explain it to you is in, in, in a humanistic form as me as a father. 
You know, there are times where I rejoice over, over my daughters because of their performance, because they've done well, um, either in work or, or, or academics or sport. And so I rejoice with gladness over them because of what they've done. But this is not at all what God is talking about here. You know, what God is talking about is something that happened to me probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before we, we, we had the shutdown. There was a day where I was at, in my office, and as I walked out of my office, I saw um, my daughters, they, was, they were sitting outside on the grass, and they were talking, and this immense joy came into my life. I, I could just feel it rise up. There was this gladness that bubbled within me. As I looked at them, I thought, those are my daughters. I love them. There was no performance. There was no merit to it. It's simply because they, they might. I love them. And I, as, as, I, as I experienced that, I can say to you today, I believe this is what God is looking at you and me as a father. And if you're a parent, you'll understand it. If you love somebody, you understand That moment when you see them, they haven't done anything. You just see them. You say, that's my daughter. That's my son. That's my wife. That's my husband. That's my boyfriend. My, whatever it is, my mom, my dad. And that joy that comes out when you just look at them and it may bring so much happiness to you. I believe that's what God does when he looks over you and into your life as his child. I think that God is expressing it to us because it's important, again, because He wants us in His presence. He wants us in this personal relationship with Him. And why, that is, why this, this is important, why you need to understand that God looks at you with so much joy and He rejoices over you with gladness is because when you approach Him, you need to understand that's how He feels about you. You know, when, when, when you're approaching God and you think that God is angry with you and God is disappointed with you and God doesn't really have time for you and God doesn't really want you in His presence, there, there's no ways that you're going to be feel comfortable as just running into His arms. But if you understand that God, as, as, as a child of God, that He delights in you, it doesn't matter where you are at. What you need to understand is because of His delight in you, you can run into His presence because He wants you to be in His presence. Again, I think the devil's strategy is to convince you that God finds no pleasure in you, that God is always angry and disappointed in you. But I want to say to you today that the Bible teaches us that if we are in Christ, we are righteous before God. And that's why as children of God, God delights with, with gladness and with joy over our lives. The fourth aspect is this, with his love, he will calm all our fears. You see, when you're in the presence of God, and when you're living a life in the, pres in, in the presence of God, in this real intimate relationship with God, His love will calm all your fears. You see, God has a desire. Listen to me today. God has a desire to replace your fears with peace because of His love. 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If you... If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. Let me read that again. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. Such love, what love? This love refers to agape love. This love refers to a God type of love. The love that God showed when He sent His Son to die on a cross for us. An unconditional, a sacrificial, a, a selfless love. And God loves you like that. God loves you unconditionally. As his child, he loves you unconditionally. Not because of your performance, not because of your merit, not because you had a five-hour Bible reading today. He loves you because you, have, you are his child and you are part of his family, unconditionally. 
He loves you sacrificially and he loves you selflessly. That, what does that mean? It means this, that God loves you in a way that everything he does is for your good. The Bible tells us that God works out all things for the good of those that love him. And God loves you in such a way, his love is so perfect that everything that he'll do towards you will be for your good. It, it will be a blessing to you. You may say, yeah, but what about discipline? Yes, yeah, sometimes discipline is a blessing. Sometimes discipline is, a good, is good for us. Sometimes chastisement is good for us. And you and I can rest in the truth that if we go before God and we put our trust in him and we put our hope in him and we say to him, God, you control and you take control over my life, that everything that God will then orchestrate in our lives, no matter what the circumstances may look like, is in love and for your good and for my good. And once I understand that, I shouldn't fear anything because I know that God is working all things out in my life for my good because he loves me, because he has perfect love for me. I want to make it very personal for you today. What, I don't know what fears you're dealing with and what range of fears you may be dealing with. But I want to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that God loves you perfectly. And, and, and God wants you in his presence. He wants you to have a personal, real, authentic, intimate relationship with him where you commune with him and that you hear him. And he wants you to take that fear to him. And he wants you to speak, he wants you to pray about and, 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 and commune with him and talk to him about that thing. And then he wants you to put it aside and he wants you to rest and find peace in the, in the truth that he has got you, that he loves you, and that he's working it all out on your behalf. You see, instead of our minds always dwelling on the fears and the impact of our fears, we need to teach ourselves to dwell on the love of God and the love that God has for you and for me. David writes in Psalm 23, very, a very popular portion of scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no need. Listen to this. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. You see, the good shepherd loves you and he loves you perfectly. And his invitation to you and to me is to draw into his presence and to have this personal and real relationship with him. And as we get into his presence, that his love starts to flow over our lives and this truth that he loves us perfectly actually starts to settle in our hearts and our minds. And so that we can replace all the fears and all the anxiety and all the fretting and all the worry with this truth that God loves me and God is in control. And God will work all things out. And I trust him with all my heart. And peace and rest will fill your life. I want you to briefly now just turn to the person next to you. If you again at home, just lay hands on your mirror, lay hands on yourself. But I want you to pray. I want you to pray for the person next to you. That, that the peace and the rest of God would come upon them because of an understanding of the great love God has for them. So why don't you just take, take a moment and just pray. Pray for each other. Pray those fears away. Pray the love of God back into people's hearts and lives. And pray for rest and peace into people.
The last aspect in Zephaniah 3.17 is this. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Isn't that an amazing thought that God rejoices over his children with joyful songs? That God is rejoicing over you with a joyful song. I don't think there's much to, to really unpack around that, but to encourage you that God is delighted in you as his child. And that God, God's song, as I come to a conclusion today, over your life is this desire to have a personal and a real relationship with you. Not to just sometimes have a Sunday relationship with you or a, or a once a week Bible reading relationship with you, but to have a 24-7, every day, every moment relationship with you. And his heart is that you'll find yourself in his presence. That when you're in his presence, you'll see his power work on behalf of you. That you'll understand that he loves you so much that he delights and he rejoices over you as his child. And as he pours his love over you, that he'll take all the fears that are in your life and he'll replace them with peace. That's a song I believe that God is, is wanting to, 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 to sing over you today. I don't know what's keeping you. I don't know what's holding you back from just stepping into this full-time, 24-7 relationship with Jesus Christ. But what I want to say to you is that you can actually just set all that stuff aside. It's, uh, the best way to do it is simply just to repent and say, God, man, I'm a sinner, man. God, this thing is keeping me from you. God, this is what's, what's, what's keeping me away from you. This is a thought that I have that you don't, you're not pleased with me, Lord, that I'm unworthy or I'm guilty or I'm foolish. Father, would you remove that so I can boldly come into your presence and live 24-7 in your presence? I want to encourage you to deal with whatever it is that's keeping you from the presence of God in your life 